NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College. Welcome to NapaBroadcasting.com and Napa Valley College Now. To paraphrase Calvin Coolidge, the business of Napa Valley College is business. The college is a big institution. It has many moving parts, many constituents, including faculty, administrators, classified employees, a board of trustees, a foundation, and of course, the students. As with any institution, its leaders and its board, its president, deal with the grand vision, broad policy, and steering such a huge ship. It's up to the COO and a company or the vice president of administrative services here at the college to make sure that all those moving parts mesh, that the checks get issued and the lights and computers come on. Here at Napa Valley College, that job falls to Bob Parker. He's been here a relatively short time, but he's already had an important influence on how things work. It is my pleasure to welcome Bob Parker here to the studio. Bob, thanks so much for coming in. Well, great. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Welcome. First of all, tell us a little bit about your history, your background, and how you wound up here at Napa Valley College. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, uh, as I'm originally from the East Coast, was born and raised in uh, southern New Jersey. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree in communications from what was at the time Glassboro State College is now Rowan University. Worked for a number of years at the University of Pennsylvania and was lucky enough to get a Bachelor of Business Administration from the Wharton School. Uh, and uh, We're attended. not sure about some of your alumni there lately, but we'll put well, that fast. Well, well there's, a, there's, there's another little connection to that as well. Um, but uh, then I found myself in San Diego and got my master's in accountant, accounting at uh, San Diego State University. I'm a certified public accountant licensed in the state of New Jersey, have spent most of my life working in uh, professional life, working in higher education, University of Pennsylvania, Drexel University, also in Philadelphia, Uh, worked for a number of years at the San Diego Community College District and their non-credit program. That's where I worked before I came here, but I took two detours. One detour was spending five years working for Datatel, um, now known as Elucian, but a software company. Company, uh, selling software to colleges and universities. I also spent five years working for the Casino Control Commission of the state of New Jersey and uh, was actually there at the time that uh, Donald Trump opened the Trump Taj Mahal. So That may have to be a subject for another program. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you about and particularly because you've been in higher education in, in many business capacities and also in the private sector, the, the difference, how institutions, particularly public institutions of education, are so different and so the same in some ways as, as private businesses, private enterprise. Certainly. So looking at – so the two schools that I worked for in Philadelphia were both um, four-year private institutions. Um, and both uh, it, it, at a four-year private institution, the, the thing that always uh, I've, I have always found interesting, and it has to do with the flow of students or the interest in students. You know, when there's a downturn in the economy, students flock to 
community colleges, two-year institutions oh. like Napa Valley College, um, looking for retraining, looking uh, to get some additional education to give them a, a leg up in the job market. Unfortunately, during a downturn in uh, the economy, community college budgets get cut. And so instead of being able to, because the state funding isn't there, and it's true throughout the country. Um, so we find ourselves in this difficult position of having more students than uh, than we can serve. Uh, the, I think the main difference when you look at um, a, a four-year private versus a community college is where the funding comes from. And so looking at an institution like the University of Pennsylvania, huge endowment, um, donors giving them millions of dollars, capital campaigns, you know, the Wharton School built buildings named after people who right. gave them millions of dollars. Um, those kind of funding sources are typically not available or, or not as readily accessible to us at uh, a two-year institution like Napa Valley College. But then we get much more support from the community um, in areas it, at, at uh, two-year institutions like Napa Valley College. And you look at the bond program that we had a number of years ago that allowed us to construct some of the new buildings on campus. Uh, where I came from in San Diego, there were two very successful bond measures there as well that resulted in really transforming the, mm -hmm. the campuses there. When you look at the landscape today, though, and you look at more and more difficulty that institutions have passing bond measures because mm -hmm. of public attitude, number one, particularly, you know, state funding being a constant problem for, for mm -hmm. public institutions and for community colleges, and we'll talk more about that as it relates to Napa Valley College. Are two-year institutions like this going to have to rely more on or look more on some of these private sources, be it individual giving, corporate giving, ways in which they can find some money, institutional money, whatever, without having to go the traditional route? Well, I do think that that uh, we do need to be looking at those avenues. And I know here at Napa Valley College, we are looking at uh, ways to uh, better connect with uh, the giving community and really better connect with our alumni. You know, uh -huh. you always hear the stories. I, I, I've only been here in Napa for not quite six months, and yet if I go anywhere in this city wearing my name badge or my Napa Valley College cap on the weekends, uh, people will say to me, oh, what's your association with the college? I'm a student. Mm -hmm. Or I graduated in 1982. Or my kids are going to uh, Napa Valley College right now. And there are so many people who really um, – owe their success to the opportunity that they got when they attended a college like Napa Valley College. And there is, I will tell you, you know, as I said earlier, I hold a degree from the University of Pennsylvania, um, the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. They have never lost track of me the many times <laughs> that I have traveled and moved throughout the country. And, and I never have to give them my new mailing address because they, somehow they find get it. me. I that's, know, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and so those are the kinds of things that, you know, those are the kind of connections that we will be making that we are already making, but the, that we, we should be 
attempting to solidify because those those folks are out there. Those people are out there who really have a strong connection, fond memories, and 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 really a great feeling about Napa Valley College. Some of them. So you're looking at uh, uh, small individual contributions. Uh, uh, all the way up to large major donations. And really what that speaks to in a broader sense is just that the funding landscape is changing. It's changing for states. It's changing in terms of federal dollars. I mean, it may be easier. It may be harder. There's all this talk now about free tuition for community colleges. At least it's been part of some of the campaign rhetoric. So it it is a a moving target at the moment, really. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly enough, we're probably closer in the state of California uh, to having free tuition for community mm-hmm. college students than many other places. I'm originally from New Jersey and from Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia area. And students in those communities pay significantly more per credit to attend community colleges than students do here in California. In addition to that, students can qualify for a Board of Governors waiver here. And so there are a number of students who are actually, in effect, receiving uh, free community college transition, uh, community college tuition here. We need to do more. And the uh, ability to is most of our revenue does not come from the student enrollment fees. Most of our revenue comes from local property taxes and a portion from a state apportionment that we receive. We receive more. I compare Napa Valley College to the college community college district that I came from, and that ratio between the amount of money that comes from property taxes and the amount that comes from state apportionment, we here at Napa Valley College, far more of our operating budget comes from property taxes than it does in some other areas of the state. Well, it's interesting also in comparing it to back east, you talk about greater free tuition there. They're also paying significantly more in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, for example, in property taxes. Yes, they are. Uh, Significantly more. Yes, they are. Yes. Having owned property in the state of New Jersey, I can attest to that. Yes. So that that plays into it as well. I mean, there's a larger pot that the state has to draw from in those cases. Yes, yes. Now, there's a little more— They don't have Prop 13. They don't have Prop 13, no. And there is much more local control, for example, in in New Jersey. You know, when Mm -hmm. we—in New Jersey, the community college system is a county college system. Mm -hmm. And each county levies its own property taxes, and each county supports its community college. And so um, when you talk about—you know, we talk about out-of-state tuition here and the fact that someone who is not a California resident pays more to attend the community college or Napa Valley College than students who live in the state of California do. In a place like New Jersey, it's county to county. And so if you attend a community college outside of your county, you're paying out-of-county tuition, which Mm. is more than because it's so tied to those local property taxes. 
Talk a little bit about the state funding and how that has been over the past several years, how it is right now. There's always talk about funding for colleges, and community colleges. Every time the state budget is revised, there was talk in the last May revise that went on. Talk a little bit about where we are now compared to where we were during the recession years. Right. And so we are certainly in much better shape. You know, it's interesting. I first joined a California community college in 2005. And uh, at that time, things were going pretty well in the state. And so we were seeing increased funding. And then a few years later, hit the recession, funding started to be decreased. Um, uh, uh, Certain what we refer to as categorical funding, funding that supports student services and services to students with disabilities, those funding sources uh, started being cut. Then we were limited or we had a reduced number of students that we were able to serve. Uh, that has changed in the past few years, and so we're able to serve more students, and those categorical funding sources for student success and student support are being built back up. Another major initiative that has come about in the past couple of years is an increased focus on serving the needs of adult students mm-hmm. or adult education. And so we are in a consortium with Napa Valley Unified School District um, to look at ways to better serve the needs of, uh, of adult students uh, throughout Napa County. So Funding sources have the state funding picture has improved, but uh, as the governor warned us when uh, he don't get too comfortable, don't get too comfortable. Absolutely, that's right. And so when we, you know, when we look at so one of the things that came about uh, during the uh, budget downturn and during the recession was that the state chancellor's office was. Uh, requiring all of us to maintain reserves so that sort of similar to the governor's rainy right. day fund uh, so that if there were or or if there would be a downturn at some point in the future that it wouldn't be devastating uh, to uh, colleges and it's it's a bigger challenge for smaller institutions than it is for larger institutions. You know, if you look at the operating budget for the Los Angeles Community College District or the San Diego Community College District, where I came from, number one and number two in the state, uh, their operating budgets are much larger than uh, (laughs) the operating budget that we have here at uh, Napa Valley College. And so, you know, there are, when they talk about 5%, so we're encouraged to keep a 5% reserve, 5% of our general fund unrestricted or general operating expenses. Well, those reserves... Their expenses are a lot higher, but those reserves are a lot bigger. And so there are more, uh, if you will, pockets of funding to help you through uh, any kind of uh, cash flow issues that might come up. It's a little harder to do when the school is is, – when the operating budget is smaller. What are the biggest budgetary challenges that we face here at Napa? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges that we face, which is uh, a challenge that every uh, college 
uh, every community college or public institution in in the state of California faces is the um, the increase in the uh, employer's contribution for PERS and STRS, mm-hmm. the state teachers' retirement system and the public employees' retirement system. Uh, in order to stabilize those uh, retirement plans, the amount that the individual contributes is increasing, but to a much more significant degree, the amount that the employer contributes is increasing as well. And so looking at potential increases in funding that we see uh, going forward, but uh, determining uh, how we will cover those increases becomes much more important. A couple of the things that we're looking at here, you know, first of all, we are continually monitoring our cash flow Mm -hmm. to uh, make sure that we, because, let me take a step back, since our funding relies heavily on property taxes, then there are large infusions of funds that come twice a year. And uh, making sure that you're you are able to uh, get through the months when those large infusions are not coming is uh, very important. The other thing that's very important is ensuring that we are looking at long-range planning and looking at multiple-year budgets and and, uh, financial plans for multiple years. And that's one of the things that we have a budget committee here at uh, Napa Valley College that consists of faculty, classified staff, and administrators. And one of the things that we'll be working on when we all come back together again in the fall is uh, mapping out that long-range mm-hmm. plan so that to the degree that we can, you know, it's difficult for us to predict what the state will do, but uh, we can get, since since we're looking at things like enrollment fees and, and uh, property taxes as well, um, looking at what the trends are and what we can expect those trends to be and looking at trends in cost of living and expenses mm-hmm. and really getting that roadmap so that we can when it comes time to develop a budget, we're tweaking it. We are getting some additional input, but we're it's not creating a new budget every mm-hmm. year. When people read about the fact that the property tax rolls have increased significantly, for example, here in Napa, what, if any, impact does that directly have on the college? Well, it reduces our reliance on state funding so that uh, – to the degree that local funds uh, meet or exceed the amount of funding that the state would provide. And the state provides funding to California community colleges based on a a dollar amount per FTES, or full-time equivalent student. Now, there are a few college districts uh, throughout the state that are referred to. We used to call them basic aid districts. Right. I mean, they exist in... in Public school, you know, K through twelve, exactly. And so, uh, in a basic aid district, all that that means is that your local property taxes and your enrollment fees collected meet or exceed that per full-time equivalent student amount that the state would provide you. And so the state makes up the difference. If your property taxes and your enrollment fees together don't equal that dollar amount per per full-time equivalent student, the state makes up the difference. 
in what's referred to as apportionment. As our property tax um, role grows here in in, uh, Napa and here in Napa County, we get closer and closer to being what would be referred to as a basic or used to be referred to as a basic aid district. Now, once you exceed that FTE per FTES dollar amount, you that stays with the local college. And so there are colleges. I came from San Diego County. Miracosta College is a basic aid uh, district in, in uh, San Diego County. Their locally, local property taxes far exceeded the state per FTES. And what it allows you to do is during the downturn, during the recession, Miracosta was actually adding sections. They weren't reducing sections because they were able to say to all of those students throughout San Diego County, come here. You know, we are able to serve you. Um, And so how great would that be, you know, to to be able to say we can weather uh, an economic downturn statewide um, because our property taxes, you know, they may decrease and certainly in San Diego County property taxes decreased. But uh, not to the extent in uh, some areas of the county where it negatively impacted the ability of the of the local college to mm-hmm. continue serving students. On the expense side, talk a little bit about what the challenges are, particularly in a facility that uh, some of it is is in need of upgrading. Right. Well. The- so here's some good news, and that is that the the state provides every year some uh, funding for capital improvements and for uh, instructional equipment. And we just learned that this year we'll be receiving a little over $900,000 for that here at uh, Napa Valley College. So we do get some support from the state over and above our uh, regular FTES um, or apportionment money. We do receive some support from the state um, to maintain those buildings. Um, we are lucky in that our buildings, while I certainly wouldn't sit here and tell you that there aren't improvements that we need to make, <laughs> our buildings are in pretty good shape. But it is a challenge to um, continue to uh, uh, do the improvements that you need. Roofs need to be replaced. Right. Um, boilers, chillers um, need to be maintained. Um Another big challenge for us in terms of facilities is making sure that we are – so part of my job as vice president of administrative services is to oversee not only facilities but also institutional technology. And so keeping up with technology – and, you know, we're not unique in this regard, but many college districts built new buildings and outfitted them with the latest and greatest technology um, using bond dollars and now – Keeping up is one thing. Catching up is another. Yes. You've been in a catching up mode. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we have. <laughs> and we're we're. I, I I have to say I'm very proud of the of the job that our uh, institutional technology department is doing, um, and the improvements that we've been able to make over the past few months. And very excited about the improvements that we've been able to budget for using some of those dollars mm-hmm. that the state provided last year, and some of them that we're getting this year. To 
to improve the experience for our students in terms of the registration process. And, you know, we're looking at rolling out sometime in this current school year a mobile application so that students can actually search for classes and register for classes from their mobile phone, um, which other schools have been doing for a while, but we're very excited to to be in a position where we can introduce that. Um, making sure that our classroom technology uh, meets the needs of our students and that our um, classrooms have the technology that our instructors need in order to provide um, an effective learning environment for our students. Mm -hmm. Have a few projects that we're working on right now that will improve a couple of our classrooms here on campus for the start of the fall semester. So um, slowly but surely we are getting there. But I would say that's that is a um, a big challenge, and then another uh, challenge for us certainly is making sure that we are adequately um, compensating our faculty and staff for the jobs that they're doing, and making sure that we're keeping pace with cost of living, particularly here in Napa, but also that we remain competitive with the other colleges in the area, so that we don't lose talent um, to other institutions. And, you know, it's it's not just about compensation. It's also about benefits. So making sure that our health and welfare benefits are, are adequate and competitive. <laughs> Tell me your, your thoughts about living in Napa. Oh, I know well, you've been here a little while. I've, so I've compared I'm, to San Diego coming up on six months. So uh, I thoroughly enjoy Napa. You know, I my first visit to Napa was, uh, and actually Napa Valley College was back in 2004 when I did some consulting work here. I uh, loved the community, loved the college, loved the business office staff. And when the opportunity came up to come here on a full-time basis, I jumped at it. Um, Napa really feels so much more like home to me. I grew up in a small town in New Jersey, uh, and coming to Napa really in many ways feels like coming home. I love the fact that I can go to the grocery store or go to the bank and see people I know or at least people who recognize Napa Valley College and have a connection to Napa Valley College. Uh, San Diego is a city of over a million people, and I never really had that sense or that, that feeling uh, when I was in San Diego. I loved San Diego. It's a beautiful place to live. But never really felt like home to me. And after less than six months, Napa really feels like home. And you didn't have a wine or a culinary program, a viticulture or a culinary program. <laughs> we, did, any of those. we did not. No, we did not. So uh, so it's really it, – uh, it, it's actually uh, very exciting to walk into Whole Foods and see uh, Napa Valley College Estate Wine on the shelf. It's, uh, it's just – it feels like it, it, there's a greater connection to the community here than I felt um, when I was in, uh, in, in San Diego. Well, I thank you very much for coming in and uh, sharing with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here, and uh, I, I'm uh, happy to be a part of the Napa Valley College family. It's great to have you here. Robert Parker, Vice President of Administrative Services here at Napa Valley College. Thank you.
You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com.